um, begin our time, I found this, this, this story. I just want to read it to you because it's, it's, I could so relate to it. A little boy was misbehaving one night when his father was trying to get him to bed. Mom had gone out to a meeting. The father was taking care of things at home. Well, long after he'd been put to bed, he was doing the classic drink of water routine. Dad, I need a drink of water. Father would come upstairs, give him a drink of water, and of course, a short time later, the little boy had to go to the bathroom. This happened several times. Finally, the exasperated dad reached the limit of his patience and said, no more. Young man, you get in bed and you stay there. Well, a few minutes later, the father heard again the pitter-patter of little feet. He bolted to the foot of the stairs, this time angry that his reading had been interrupted. He yelled at the misbehaving son, look, I'm telling you for the last time, you get in bed and you stay in bed. If you get out of bed one more time, you're in trouble. I'll be coming up there and you're going to lose your teddy bear. Well, for a moment, it was quiet. And then a little voice drifted down. Daddy, when you come up here to take Teddy, would you bring me a glass of water? That little boy was not going to stop. And, you know, the, the Bible gives us a lot of great advice in this Christian life that we should not stop doing what we do. We're told to be persistent. We're told to continue. In fact, in the book of Luke, we're, we're given a story about a man that would come. Guys, if you could put the verse up for me, the next slide, please. It says, and then he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. Next slide, please. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise to give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And that's the book of Luke chapter number 11. Now, what's interesting about this parable, and that's what this is, a parable, is that it's really a long rhetorical question. Because the culture of the time and the Jewish people, they had a very deep sense of community. In other words, if they were asked, would this have been you, every, pro every man, probably to a fault, would have said, no, that wouldn't have been me. I, I would have gotten up. Now, that's something foreign to some of us. But in that culture, it didn't matter if it was 1230, 1 in the morning. It didn't matter. If they heard, if they heard that knock, they got up and they went. So Jesus was trying to prove a point by saying, listen, you're not that person, are you? No, of course. That man is persistent. I'm going to reward that persistence because of the community that we're in together. Well, Jesus continues on because he was trying to emphasize the comparison between the man who would, who would not get out of bed and God. 
You see, God always does answer and listen. But there's a word in there. Um, if you look at the, the next to last line, the word persistence. Now, the word persistence, and again, this is an important understanding in our translation of words and, and how words change their meaning through the different uh, time references and the culture. The original writings of the word persistence, which they use today, really is indicating shamelessness. It's a term that says that, that they don't care that you're asleep. It doesn't matter. If something's a problem, I'm going to knock on that door, and I have every confidence that you are going to answer. And so the man who's knocking, Jesus is saying, is us. The man who's in the bed, comfy, but let's, let's, let's clarify something, okay? I think it's important to understand. Because we live in two-bedroom, three-bedroom, four-bedroom houses, you know, big, you know, living room, whatever your house is, whatever your apartment is. The average home of the Jewish people, the culture of that time, was one large room. Trust me. It was not mommy and daddy's room, baby's room, brother's room, this room, that room, man cave, girl cave, whatever they're called. One room. And traditionally... The husband and wife would sleep on the outside, and the kids would there be like caught in the middle, whether it was one bed or, or, or a different sleeping arrangement. They were all together. So when that man's knocking, all right, that man's knocking, that's why he brings up the point and says, shh, the kids are going to wake up. Don't do that. But that's not something we have to deal with with God. Whether we realize it or not, whether we accept it or not, whether we care or not, God is a 24-7, 365 God in our time frame. He always hears us. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. Scripture says he always hears us. So, having said that truth, I want to go back to the story I mentioned at the beginning. That little boy was going to get his water no matter what. And he wasn't going to stop asking dad. So now I come to us in looking to our God. And I'm going to be honest, okay? And you're, I'm going to ask this question honestly, and you're going to answer it in your mind honestly. When there is something you need, when something that's going down, um, a situation in life, a healing, and let me ask you a question. How many times do you ask God for it? Once? Do you ask it three times? At what point in life do you stop praying? Well, I know what, what, no, no, listen to me. I know theory-wise what it is. I'm asking you for us reality-wise. All right, let's be real. You want fluff? I'll give you a TV show to go watch. You want real? Here it is. What point in reality do we say, I'm tired of asking God for it? Is it measured in days? 
Is it measured in weeks? Is it measured in months? Is it measured in years? And Jesus is telling us, don't stop. In fact, he continues on and he gives us an amazing formula to follow that helps us understand this idea. So I want you to get in your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke chapter 11, which is where the parables are from, and I want you to go to verse 9. Because he continues in this vein of prayer of what we should do. So hopefully this, this, this quick understanding is going to give us some reality. Luke chapter 11, I want you to look, starting in verse number 9. It says, so I say to you, this is Jesus, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now many people stop there, close the Bible and throw it away. You know why? Because they said it doesn't happen. It didn't happen for me. But let's continue to read. Keep your Bibles open. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Let me put that in our right here. Parents, your child is hungry. You haven't eaten. I'm not talking about they're looking for their fifth ice pop. I'm talking about they haven't eaten in hours. Think of yourself. I'll get on dads for a minute. Moms, you guys are phenomenal anyway, so I'll get on these do not dads. Dads, they come to you and they are hungry. And they say, I'm so hungry. And you know they're hungry. Would you look at them and say, tough? I mean, you know they're hungry. You know. Would you say, I could care less as you stuff your face? A Christian father would look at child and say, come on, I'll get you something to eat. That's what God is saying. So in human terms, Jesus is saying, wouldn't you feed somebody who's hungry? Wouldn't you give them? Of course, that makes sense. Now continue on and look what he says. So if you then being evil, uh uh-oh, you dads being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is holy, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Did you see what that says? How much more would God give you? So now the question comes, well, how come God hasn't given me dot, dot, dot? Well, let's look at what Jesus said. And there's three things that we're going to point out today that I want you to just take quick note of, all right? Next slide, please. So first slide, he says to ask. Now, our thought when we ask is ask and my desires will be given. That's what our mind says, the unregenerate, the, man, the human part of us. But God's thought is ask and the best that God has will be given to you. Now, that's a whole different ballgame, guys. 
because many times our best and what we think and God's best, it don't match. You know, it's interesting. When I look at that scripture, I'm thought of something that, that the, um, the Apostle John said. So hold your place where you are, and I need you to go to the end of the Bible, to 1 John, not the Gospel of John. 1 John chapter number 3. And I want you to look at verse 21. Let's, let's, let's get there quickly so we can move on with our time. I don't want to hold you too long, but I need you to see this. And he says in verse 21, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, to love one another, and he gave us a commandment. Let me tell you this interesting story about our friend, Pastor Matt Jones. Pastor Matt Jones is the pastor of Mountaintop Church since the year 2002. Mountaintop Church is an unbelievable church. It is crazy good. If you have anybody in the Hackettstown area and you're saying, what church should I go to? That's the church to go to. I was just at a dinner for my brother's church, which is in Cranford. And um, they're celebrating their 10-year anniversary as a church, um, Eastern Gate. Well, we heard some of the history last night. And some of the history was that the pastor of Grace and Peace Church, which is the building they contain now, back in the year 2009, Gary had been released. My brother Gary had been released from his church, and he wanted to start a church. Nobody's going to do. And Gary goes to dinner with this pastor and his wife. And Gary says, I was released from my church, just going to start a church. And the pastor says, well, why don't you come and start one here? He goes, well, I can't share. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm going to resign and I want you to take the building. Now, Gary had no idea what was happening. That in itself is an amazing story. But back in 2002, the aforementioned Pastor Matt Jones applied to be pastor of Grace and Peace, the building that was there. Pastor Matt thought he had it. He was going there. He had told Pastor Joe, our previous pastor, he told me, but something happened, and everything fell through. That pastor that I mentioned before came six months later. He came from 2002 to 2009. Let me explain something to you very, very carefully. Pastor Matt had stayed at Grace and Peace. I know he would have done a good job there. Tough area in that there, but a good job. But if he had stayed there, there would not have been a conversation with Gary because this pastor would not have been there. And there would be no EJ. Mountaintop Church had four people at the time, Ken Young. Mountaintop Church was two weeks from closing. In that scenario, there would have been one church, Church of Grace and Peace. God said no 
which Matt didn't get, but then applied for Mountaintop Church. The point I'm making is today, with that scenario of God taking his time doing things right, you don't have just to have one functioning church, grace and peace. You have IHOP EG. You have Mountaintop Church proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nobody makes up that type of story. I can't believe Hollywood would get that smart with it. There are times that we ask and we say, God, and I would contend with you, Pastor Matt, because I live, he's my best friend in the world. Heartbroken. Ask him today, he would look at you and say, the greatest thing that ever happened was it fell through because he has a church that God is using so mightily. We ask and we want our desires. Guys, ask of God and ask him, Lord, whatever your best is for me, please give it to me. Now, that's so sweet to say, but the reality is, if you have your mind and heart set on this, you sure don't want that. And the point is, when we do it this way, we are always, always, always settling for second best. When you come up with the greatest idea, and it's not God's idea, all you're doing is settling for second best. And you're missing the best. So ask. Ask of God. You've got a problem with health. You've got a problem with your job. You've got a problem with relationship. God, Give me your desire, Lord. What is it you want? Stop going to God with a laundry list. God, I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and I want this. Say, God, God bless you. God, give me your best. Whatever it is, I will accept it. I may not even see it, but I may be angry about it. But God, I will move forward because it is your best. That's a whole different way of praying. Because after you pray your laundry list, what do you pray? I don't know what else to say. I'm done praying. Okay, God, amen. And then if you don't get your laundry list in three days, God doesn't care. Or we get even more spiritual. I guess that's not what God wanted. Guess what? You persist every day in prayer. Say, God, I want your best for my job. Because you may not even know what it is. I want my best for your, I want your best for my family. Because you don't even know what the best is for your family. In fact, we let a world's ideology tell us what the best is. Parents, be careful. Because I said, I'm tired, so I'm going to go on my rant, right? Be careful. And I'm going to ruffle feathers, but it's okay. You can yell at me later. Maybe having your kids miss church for sports is not necessarily always the best thing to do. That's hard. I'm sorry, but it's true. You may think that's their best. It may not be. Be careful. Be careful of the things that interrupt the the things of God. Be careful. That's all I'm saying. You're not evil. You're not the worst. Be careful. So ask, God, give me your best. And I'm telling you, you will be blown away. At that. Now, there's, there's a second thing that God gives us. Go, go to the next one, please. It's seek. Our thought is, seek God, and I hope he answers. 
because we don't know. But God saw it as seek, and you will find all you, what's the last word there? You notice I didn't put the word want. All that you need. And I'd like you to listen to Psalm 27, verse 7. Just listen to it for a moment. It says, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, that means God. My heart, David is saying, my heart said, your face, Lord, I will seek. I'm going to share with you something. Rachel, I didn't get to tell you much about this yesterday. I'm going to just get a little bit out of the bag. I shared this with my staff, and I'm going to share some things. One of the things that I see in this is that I am failing as a man and as a pastor. I'm failing. I'm on the other side of success. I'm failing in truly seeking God's face for people to be saved. That is a personal failure of mine. Doesn't mean I don't pray. It doesn't mean I don't love God. It means that I am failing in taking the time to seek God's face for people to be saved by the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. I come up with good ideas, come up with great programs. We're moving in a way for that type of growth, even with some of the groups are putting together. But as far as a foundation, I need to move from failure. And I need to move to God's best for that. And the only way that's going to happen for Ronnie is when I seek God's face. Now, what does it mean to seek God's face? That's a great terminology. But what does it mean? Seeking God's face means It's stopping and just having communication. It's just having communication with God. It's looking to all these things. Bucky talked last night. We'll bring this up, Buck, and you went to the men's convention. Incredible time, right? That's what you just told me. So it was incredible, man. Rachel, thank you for that encouragement. Carol's opening. Listen, seeking God's face It's not just getting on your knees and going up and down and saying, God, God, God. It is being together with people of like precious faith and being encouraged. It's when a couple guys, we go out to lunch once, maybe twice a week. We go to the mall around 12 o'clock. If you're interested in coming with us, give me a call. You can come. And we talk about a lot of things. We talk about the Yankees, who we love. We don't talk about the Cowboys because they could care less. We talk about the news, but the one thing we always mention that drives me back to this time is we always talk about the Lord. And that to me is the most fulfilling time when I can talk to a brother about Jesus Christ. There is something special. Ladies, I know you get it too. There's something fulfilling. So when, when, when David said, you said seek my face, My heart said, I'm going to do it. What would it be like? Think about this for a second, all right? Don't react. Keep it in you. But what would your work be like if you had a 10-minute conversation about Jesus with somebody 
who knows Jesus. I mean, we're kind of spoiled, Buck, because we work in places where we talk about Jesus, and it's a great feeling. I'm talking about someone that works for um, any corporation or, or wherever it is. You need to find somebody to talk to Jesus about. If you're not, you need to. I'm not talking about woe is me. I'm talking about just, hey, this is what the scripture did, or this is what my need is. You need to seek God's face between each other. There is something so amazing and special and uplifting about it. As I said in the beginning, we get a lot of garbage. Let's get good. Seek, and you will find all that you need. Because when you're with the brothers, when you're with the sisters, when you're in the prayer room, God's presence. See, see, this building, oh, come on, Ron. This building, okay, we could use this as a sanctuary, and we could tear it apart, and you can you you think I'm blasphemous, but relax, see where I'm going with this. We could sell it, and it'd be used for a nightclub. This room. It's not the walls. It's not the lights. It's the presence of God in this place that makes it holy. God leaves. It's nothing more than a room. You might as well say we're the full gospel social club instead of saying full gospel church. And some people want that. Not here, out there. You know, don't, don't, don't preach about sin. Don't preach about this. Boom, 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 boom. All the restrictions put in a box. I'm telling you, It's the presence of God that leads us that when we do sin, it's conviction that points us to Jesus and not to guilt. It's the presence of God. Am I coming through somehow, please? It's the presence of God that makes this house what it is. It's the presence of God that allows someone to lift their hand and say, I need Jesus Christ. Walter, when you had your church, you met in a warehouse, right? It wasn't the warehouse that made it that church, right? You would know that of everybody. It's the presence of God that was there when you sang, when you worshiped, when you preached, when you saw God. Be assured that any time you come into this place, you can see God because his presence is here. Why? Because the people of God want his presence here. The day we have a vote, how many of us don't want God's presence here? Well, we're in trouble. Seek. And he's going to give you all that you need. So ask God, give me your best. And then seek God, finding it with each other. Helping each other, encouraging one another. Now there's one final thing that he tells us. Ask and seek. Give me the last one, guys. Knock. And knock, our thought is, I choose the door. God Go with me. And God's thought is, he's going to direct me to the door. May not be the door that I want. May not be the door that I'm thinking of. But it is the right door that God gives to us. You know, it's so interesting because there's going to be three scriptures I need you to read to. 
Uh, and I want you to go first real quick. Come on, we're going to do this quick. The book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 13, starting in verse number 23. Because I want to give to you three doors that God directs us to. Because you need to understand that these doors mean so much. Luke chapter 13, verse 23 and following. And one said to him, Lord, are the ones being saved few? And he said to him, strive to enter in at the narrow gate. For I say to you, many will seek to enter in and not be able. And once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. He shall answer to you and say, I do not know you or where you're from. The first door is the door of salvation. The door of salvation. God directs his people to that door every day. Because of you, because of this place, because of his presence. And every day, he says, just knock on the door. Just knock. Jesus is not going to be on the other side saying, well, before I save and transform you, Before I put my spirit in you, have you been a good boy? Did you sin? We we think God sometimes is Santa Claus. And we say, if we did good things, no. God takes the most vile, evil, horrible person on planet Earth and saves them. You don't believe it? You'll be here next week at 1030, and you're going to meet 20 guys. Then you're going to prove that whole theory on that God only takes the perfect. That's why you need to bring these, these family members. So you need to hear that. So that's a door that oh, God leads everybody to. And you knock. That's what he says. Knock, and the door of salvation will be open. All right, get forward in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And verse number 12. I'm just going to uh, start reading it just, just so you're there, okay, with it? And it is, um, and when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened to me by the Lord. The second one is the door of ministry. God opens up opportunities. He brings you to the place, and he just says, knock. That knocking could be on the door of blessing our children. Hey, by the way, remember I talked to you about Jerry? Jerry! Are you here? Stand up. Jerry Gavallaro is in the back, guys. Hey. It's good to see you, buddy. Listen, I'm going to preach, and then I'll come talk to you, all right? Oh, isn't that cool? Love it. Man, Jerry, we just talked about you. You're part of my message today, man. That's so cool. Jerry got a door of opportunity, didn't he? A door of ministry to that lady. He didn't have to go in with a suit and look like blah, blah. An opportunity. And all it takes is an opportunity just to pray for someone. You don't necessarily have to go to them. Angeline, I don't necessarily have to call you, sister, and say, Angeline, at 11.45, I'm going to pray for you today. I'm going to pray, God, blah, blah. You don't need that. If God leads me to her mind, that thought, he just wants me to say, God, let me have what, what I need to pray for for Angeline. Stop thinking so formal, amen. Don't think it's so formal. And then the final door 
that I want to bring, that God brings us to, is called the door of revelation. Uh, let me just read this for time's sake. John chapter 10, verses 7 to 9, it says, Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And anyone who comes before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep, uh, the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and shall go in and find pasture. That's the door of revelation. I keep reminding you, the reason you understand the things of God is not because you're, not, you're necessarily that smart or I'm necessarily that good of a teacher. The main teacher is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings the revelation to you. He opens your mind to understand. That's why when people read that who don't understand God, don't get mad when they say, I don't get this whole thing. Of course they don't. Because it comes from a revelation of the Holy Spirit. Well, why isn't God revealed? Well, we should be praying. God, reveal yourself to that person. Because when they do, 2 Corinthians tells us, Thomas is so beautiful. They're going to fall on their knees and they're going to worship God when revelation comes. You know, there's one more verse about knocking that that I I need to bring you to. And this I need you to look at, okay? We're just about done, so hang in there. Revelation chapter 3. I'd like you to go to that, please, in your Bibles. And I really need everyone to look at this. And I need you to look at verse number 20. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. I want to make sure you're there. And it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Now, I have heard some well-meaning people preach that as a scripture that proves salvation. And the problem is the context of what, of what John is hearing, that's not for that. Let me explain. Stay where you are. Just go back a few verses to verse 15. Let's read the entire context of what he's saying. He's talking to one of the seven churches in Revelation. And he says to this church, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish, I could wish that you were cold or hot. Because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and I've become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, and the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with the eyes of the eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. He's not talking about an unregenerate unbeliever. He's talking about his church. May I suggest we would be included in that? And that's the caution. He's saying, what? is your target. That goes back to what I told you about seek. 
for me personally, for Ronnie, and there's something you're going to hear in the next few weeks that I, I want to call this church to in, in, in response to that. But God is not, Pastor Jimmy's doing a phenomenal job. You, you see, we're finally getting stone on the board. Isn't that great? Lights are nice. I love this place. In fact, Nelson Lugo, who was here just on Wednesday, I hadn't been here about 10, 12 years. Man, he walked in. He said, this is gorgeous. God bless you guys. I'm going to tell you right now, God is not impressed. He's happy that we're making the house of God nice because the Old Testament gives that. But you know what he's impressed with? He's impressed with the people that are worshiping his name. And especially the one who came in here with their hands down and so horrible and said, I don't care what my situation is. I will praise the Lord. That's what he's impressed with. So God is saying, listen, I stand at the door. You notice what he says too? I stand at the door. And what were we just talking about? The doors that we knock on. But what's Jesus doing for the church? He's knocking, let me in. My heart is breaking. There's another denomination that's going to be splitting over things that are so petty in the eyes of the Lord. There's churches where God is taking a sledgehammer to the doors and saying, let me in. And they're saying, no, we're fine just like we are. Our traditions are fine, and it's frustrating pastors. My friends, listen to me. May Full Gospel Church never get to the point that we're more impressed with what we have here than what we have here. But that's going to be hard. That's going to take hard teaching. It's going to take conviction. It means it may not be every Sunday you come in joyful, happy, and walk out You may be at the altar for another hour because you realize such a wretch we are. And that's okay. Because when God does surgery in our heart, man, it's the greatest thing ever. We come out better than we ever did. So you see, ask, seek, and knock is, go go back two slides, Bobby, if you're there. Help me out. Just go back to ask. Let's just look at God's slide. Forget ours. Ask, and the best God has given will be given to you, Okay? When he says seek, okay, next one. Seek, and you'll find all that you need. God will give you exactly what you need, and that's, I believe, as part of the fellowship of the saints. And the final thing, yeah, third one, is God's going to direct you to the door. Knock on it. Trust him. Oh, I may lose this. I may lose this. Don't say that. Say, knock on the door, and I'm going to gain something else. I'm not going to say it's money. I'm not going to say it's fame. I'm not going to say it's riches. You may have less than you had before. But I'm telling you what, whatever God gives you, if it's his, whatever that door is, you're going to find such great satisfaction in life. And on a recent just, um, just a minute, I made the point of saying, we work so hard in this life. And when we leave this life, we take nothing with us. What we have done for Christ is what's going to be measured. I'm going to close with this. You notice 
that Jesus did not say, knock, seek, and ask? Because to me, that makes more sense. Knock on the door, I come in, get what I want, ask for it, and done. That's called department store, that's online shopping mentality. I only go to work to what I need. Once it's done, I'm satisfied. It's my idea. Jesus does not want us to knock, seek, and ask. He wants us to ask, seek, and knock. Max Lucado once wrote this. We may relish moments of solitude, but a lifetime of it? No way. Many of us, however, are too fluent in the language of loneliness. The kids used to need me. The business once needed me. My spouse never needs me. Lonely people fight feelings of insignificance. What do you do? How do you cope with such cries for significance? Well, some stay busy. Others stay drunk. Some buy pets. Others buy lovers. Some seek therapy. Yet only a few seek God. And he invites us all to do so. God's ultimate cure for the common life takes you to a manger. And when I read this next part, I melted because I never put two and two together. Matthew one twenty three says, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Does anybody remember what Emmanuel means? God with us. He's not going to leave you. I don't care how far you go. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you say. You've got a problem. And that problem is God is going to chase you and chase you and chase you and chase you. You keep running. You keep going. You keep going that way. And God is still, it's almost like you can't shake your shadow. You're going to go, finally, and God's going to be right there. You got a problem. If you don't want God, you got a big problem. One of the things you can do that would hurt is you can just plain out ignore him. I don't care. I don't care. And that's where loneliness comes in. That's why Jesus said, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world, but you lose this? Guys, I'm not telling you to go sell everything you have and go to a monastery and be a monk. Okay? Although some of you probably look good in that whole routine, but that's beside the point. And I'm thinking of people I can't look at you. But, but the reality is this. Listen, listen, I close this. I'm not telling you to sell everything and go. I'm telling you tomorrow morning when you go to work, when you get up, when you do whatever you're going to do, give God that chance. Ask him. Seek, and then knock when that opportunity comes. Because you never know what God is going to do. And when you do knock, watch out what God does. Bow your heads if you would. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus.
Hallelujah. Just give him praise. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Just give him praise in this place. Right where you are. Don't worry about being loud or soft. I don't care what you are. Just thank him. Say, Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Lord, thank you for your love, that we don't have to be alone, that you're with us, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I'm asking for that person today that needs to come home to you. Lord, that they